0: All right, welcome back to The Lake Show, News Talk 830-WCCO. Love some De La Soul, man. I still can't believe it, but uh, we'll get to that here in a second. Let's talk about something that's happening this weekend, a documentary premiere screening taking place at the Minnesota History Center, a great day in Twin Cities hip-hop, reflection on the culture, standing on untold legacies, And the producer of this documentary, Ralph Crowder, is in studio with us. The first in-studio guest that I have had since the pandemic. Oh, wow. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, when you're in that mode of everything going on, everybody's broadcasting from home, then finally we come out of it. Everybody's back in the studio, but you're my first guest in the studio, man. That's
1: that's dope, man. You know, that explains the empty feeling in here. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you.
0: First (laughs) off, just for the listening audience to, 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 to be aware and know this cat right here that's sitting here, he is like a big brother. When I first got to Minneapolis North high school, Cause Ralph, you were what two years ahead of me. I, I, I think was eighty nine. Eighty nine. So yeah, yeah so you, yeah, so you were two two years ahead of uh-huh. me. You talk about a cat that I could talk about about anything, right? Anything in the school, anything about hip hop culture, anything about just you know social consciousness and, and just anything. Ralph was right there, and I'm so glad that we still got this connection to this day, man. You always been yeah. a cool brother with me, so I, I'm happy to have you on the show. But let's start with how this came to be a great day in hip hop reflection on the culture, standing on untold legacies. How did you come up with this documentary?
1: Oh, first of all, peace, peace to you and your listening audience. Um, and also it's, you know, that kind of hit me in a good way when you said social consciousness, and this is all around, you know, that, that era that, you know, we grew up in, in hip hop and that's a very important era, right? So, Mm -hmm. Um, I basically have been documenting pretty much, you know what I mean, hip hop here, um, in the Twin Cities area and in the country, man, since, uh, since my, um, later years in high school, maybe like since '88, man. Um, I've been definitely, you know, a part of the scene, if that's what you want to say, in multiple capacities. And, um, something that really led up to this particular film was feeling there was a missing gap in history. So as you came in with the La, you know that's that good vibe feeling that sometimes we miss in the music now, and there's there's foundational things that come out of that that we have to come back to. So what better thing, you know, is art to actually you know be that catalyst to do so. So uh, DJ Stage One actually a, a, a talented uh, a DJ here. He's also an archivist and a curator and a documentarian too. Um, he called a um, a photograph um, um, kind of event based on the great day concept, you know, coming out of Harlem. And then there was some um, duplication around that, that um, went into hip hop in New York and Atlanta and some other areas. So in 2010, he had his first one and it was on the uh, steps of the Minneapolis Institute of Arts. And uh, I went down there um, because I'm a, uh, producer of independent media for many years and I I had a, a television format on cable access at the time kind of like you know Kanye West's documentary you know when they um looked back in the pro- producers of his documentary they were heavy producers of the era of cable access hip hop mm-hmm. programming you know what i mean mm-hmm. so i i've been um you know on that scene for quite some time and when i went there i thought it was a really um beautiful thing be- because i saw a lot of my peers And some people in this particular film are not with us anymore. So, you know, uh, shout-out to Brother Jules, um, my man, Man. Makdi, Disco T. Disco T, yeah. We lost some. Yeah, we lost some some people that were um, definitely influential and were were a part of those building blocks here. So capturing the film, I also incorporated my artistic interpretation of – that vibe between '88, let's just say '88 and '98, a 10-year window, using some of my personal archive footage, you know, from different shows I promoted and, and and some things here. So it turned out to be a really beautiful thing, man. It's a time capsule piece that basically I kind of held on to like a baby until it was time to mature, and then here we are, 50th year of uh, hip hop just internationally. So what better moment? would this be to revisit that time and place for youth culture in Minneapolis?
0: I think it's a great time for this to come to everybody and everybody be able to see it, Ralph. And the reason why I say that is because people that are listening to this show right now, the typical listener doesn't understand the relevance or the hip-hop culture that resides in the Twin Cities Mm -hmm. specifically. And the reason why I say that is because I'm friends with the people with uh, Premier Boxing Championships, so Mm -hmm. like Al Heyman's camp and all that stuff, whatever. And so like one of them, uh, one of the execs, he's like, man, I'm a big fan of the Minneapolis Sound. Mm. But everybody from coast to coast has heard about the Minneapolis Sound, and they think about Prince, and they think about Jimmy Jimmy, Jam and Terry. They think about all that, Mm -hmm. but this is something that will be new to a lot of people.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of unknown stories too, because we stand on legacies. You know, it, it, you know, there was a time that we couldn't get in none of these clubs, you know, when we was in community centers or parks. And, and, and so before it got sexy and everybody, you know, kept, caught on to it and it became more popular culture, mm-hmm. you know, it was really based on some real pioneering independent, uh, you know, big brothers to me that I, I watched uh, when I was young, uh, like in 19 from like the early 80s um, until 88 when, you know, I was in at my mature stage in high school and then I added on. But, you know, to be honest with you, there's some tremendous stories uh, stemming out of St. Paul and Minneapolis and names that we don't talk about often when we reflect on how did we get to this place of having a national or international impact on, hip-hop throughout the world, stemming from the Twin Cities. You know, there were a lot of people that were foundational that if we don't tell those stories and document uh, that time period, then when somebody uh, now or in the future, you start the history at a wrong moment. You do a disservice to, you know, the proper legacy that needs to be curated and told. Um, and this is all basically for the betterment of our youth because we need to be inspired. How did you, how did you promote these independent parties, whether they be in Minneapolis and St. Paul, and build community around those parties and then have generational influence on that impact, on that vibe, whatever that was at that time? Um, who did you influence to take that proto- prototype or that package and push it forward? You know, so just like in basketball or sports or any other kind of thing, radio even, Mm -hmm. you know, you're sitting here because of people who sat in that seat before you. Yeah. You know, so if we if we don't keep that perspective alive for, you know, again, for our youth, then we just continue to reinvent something that's already been here.
0: Yep. We're talking to Ralph Crowder, producer of the documentary, A Great Day in Hip Hop, Reflection on the Culture, Standing on Untold Legacies. That's coming up this Saturday from two until four March the fourth at the Minnesota History Center. That is when it's taking place, and I'm going to be in the building. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing some faces that probably I haven't seen in quite some time. Mm-hmm, but uh, you looking, know them, yeah. But but I, but I know them. Yep. Um, probably some people that will come, you know, from out of town as well. Mm-hmm. But also, I, I think it's important, and I'm glad as you mentioned it to to celebrate those that are no longer with us. Yeah, um, I know that. I got a chance to kind of like hang out a, a few times while uh, Disco was uh, was battling his cancer and, yeah. and was and was dealing with it, and he was always in good spirits, mm-hmm. always you know uplifting everybody else around mm-hmm. him. Um, the one with um, Brother Jules, I didn't I didn't know any, I didn't know he was sick or I didn't know anything. That kind of yeah. caught me up. That's guard. our fellow
1: North High, yeah, yeah, member. yeah, man, yeah. yeah, yeah I remember, yeah, I remember, yeah. I
0: remember Jules from yeah, the whole. Yeah. Hey, back my first even thoughts about <laughs> about radio, not in terms of me being in radio because mm-hmm. I just fell into radio, mm-hmm. but like we had a radio station at North, yeah, KBM, KBM and it's still there, mm-hmm. right? But at that time I remember every Saturday morning, mm-hmm. the hip-hop shop.
1: Yeah, trap, And
0: listening to Trab like yeah. that was... I still think about that to this yeah, day. And these Thinking are, about w- listening, so I can hear that LL song yeah, that I want to hit the yeah, hit the record on the cassette, yeah, so I can run it back all
1: night. Yeah, yeah. Before, you know, so
0: those are some of the things that I think about when I think about some of the stuff that I'm sure will be talked about in the movie.
1: Yeah, uh, and and just think about it. We, you know, when we were in in that era with uh, my brother Jules, we started out at Bernadette's Uptown Teen Club. You know, at the YWCA. Believe it or not, there was a hip hop teen club at the Uptown YWCA, where kids from the North Side, South Side, and St. Paul came to congregate and actually have a good time in that space around music and and and, and the need for themselves their to fellowship within the culture and the music of the culture. So, you know, there's just so many stories, man, that, um, you know, connect to, you know, again, we're, we're standing on Untold Legacies. And it's so important that we keep our legacies alive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I stress that. And it's so important to reflect on on this culture now that is super corporatized. And and, and you know what I mean? But I was yeah. just about to go there. So, so let, me, <laughs> let me
0: ask you this question. I, I wanted to go there. I wanted to go there because we got about five more minutes left. Yep. Um. You've mentioned this word a couple of different times. And I agree with you 100% when I think of just us here in the culture. Mm-hmm. You, you say community.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't feel... That in a broad sense, mm. like nationally and even to some degree, maybe globally, that the hip-hop community is anywhere near what it used to be. Like, I don't mm. feel like there is a community. Like, are, are there cats out there that that's about the culture and still mm. about uplifting and all that? Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. It's, there's Cats that's about the art. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that that's typically what we're getting mainstream. Mm-hmm. We're getting a bunch of... um.
1: We're getting money music.
0: Yeah, and stereotypes. Yeah. Being and, shoved down. On I course. mean,
1: because it's really about money. Yep. I mean, and that's the that's why we have to reflect on the culture and stand on those legacies because there was a lot of people who sacrificed a lot of personal time and and and, and really experienced a lot of uh, things that we can't even necessarily talk about on this radio show through that sacrifice, but it was about the love at a certain point in time, man, and that that's you know as as money becomes a major influence in anything, it changes, it, it changes the yep. love, and yep. that's unfortunate. But that's just wh- where we are now. So, again, that's the power of art. It's able to, you know, kind of give you a snapshot of a time and place, and 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 tell a story that you can really move to be inspired by.
0: All right. So you don't have to give too much, but is one of the aspects of of hip hop culture going way way back in the day in the, in the early um remnants of it is breakdancing
1: mm. i'm doing a series on that right now but go oh, ahead. Okay. okay i was just wondering if there's any acknowledgement <laughs> yeah. of the minneapolis uh yeah, the, breakers no, um not, not well no okay, okay let me let me correct myself yes there there are uh definitely um uh different moments in the film where you're gonna yeah where you're gonna see you know that being done in terms of uh how people engage with that in the, in, in the clubs. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's definitely in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a good thing to also focus on, seeing that's going to take somebody pulling out one of them old school VHS tapes in somebody's basement yep. because there was that that time period around breakdancing and the influence that that created. That's a whole nother conversation, you know what I mean? Because you can have a whole conversation about that one thing in itself because it, that was a – Now, in an upcoming Olympic sport next year in Paris. I mean, look, I mean, Mm -hmm. just look at that. You know, this is something that people used to do, you know, just randomly in the streets or in, in, and wherever we used to do it. And, and people used to get in trouble for that, doing that in public, actually, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe even harassed by certain authorities because it was, you know, a little threatening at a point in time, but now it's celebrated. Uh,
0: Do you think that in your film, that there is a showcase of the diversity in hip hop culture, just specifically here in 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 this city or in this state. And the reason why I ask that when question, you say
1: diversity, what do you mean?
0: I'm talking about like the, the different aspects or different forms of the art form. And the reason why I say this is because let's go back to um a couple of weeks ago when Trugoy passed away. Yeah, mm-hmm. All right when Dave passed away, I had to be honest, and he was sitting right here, Chris, my producer, Chris. I was emotional, man. And and I'm going to tell you why. Good. Because I said in that segment that night, and it meant a lot to me, that my Mm. favorite—everybody knows this about me. My favorite two hip-hop groups of all time are Tribe Called Quest Mm. and De La Soul. Yeah. And the reason why I got so emotional about when when True Goy passed is because when De La and Tribe arrived, I felt seen. Mm. Because— Hip hop is many things mm-hmm. but not everybody can relate to everything in hip hop like you might yeah. know that like mm-hmm. I-, I might know a crip mm-hmm. but I'll never be able to relate to Nipsey mm-hmm. right I-, I I was never able to really at that time be able to relate to like NWA or whatever mm-hmm. like I love the music right. but like when I saw them cats and they were and they and they were rocking the medallions mm-hmm. and and talking about things mm-hmm. that like I was mm-hmm. vibing with right. I was like okay I'm here
1: now. So let me let me just say this. You'll uh-huh. be very refreshed by the presentation because, you know, there's all kinds of forms of marketing usually connected to money again. And unfortunately, some of the – even those are, are real community experiences, right? But it seems like we take the worst form of community experiences in exploitation and exploitation and lift that up while you have kind of like what you described as just being, you know, I'm just – I'm just a regular student in high school, man. I'm not really, I'm here to, you know, take care of my business. I'm going home. I might hoop for the high school. Maybe I'm not, but I'm just, I'm just doing my thing. I'm not, I'm not all, yeah, I'm not all caught up in the extremes of everything. And yeah, we have to deal with those extremes because that's a part of life. But we also need a time where we need to be refreshed with some good water, brother. Yep. And that's that's what I think. That's what I think that people are going to feel and back in those
0: times, out. when a day law or a tribe and those came out like that, there was no them being scared at all about being creative because they were grounded in who they were.
1: Exactly in the art, and that, and that's what I love. And that's a snapshot of where we came from.
0: Yeah. All right. Hey, last time, a great day in Twin Cities hip hop. Reflection on the culture, standing on untold legacies. Uh, make sure that you go to the Minnesota Historic uh, History Center. Uh, it's going to be this Saturday from two until four. Final thing for producer uh, Ralph Crowder, what should people, what can people expect to get out of this movie when they go watch it?
1: Bring your children and feed them good food.
0: Yeah. And to be an educational experience. Yeah. Ralph, I appreciate you, man.
1: Appreciate you, brother. All
0: right, now. All right. All right, that's Ralph Crowder. Make sure that you check it out. I'm going to be in the house. I can't wait to see who else is going to be in the house. That's going to be a lot of fun. A great day in hip-hop, reflection on the culture, standing on untold legacies. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. we got to get to a scoreboard. We'll do that next year on The Lake Show. All right, thanks again to Ralph Crowder for stopping by. My first in-studio guest. How about that? I love me some hip-hop, man. So you know I'm going to be there on Saturday. It will truly be a great day in hip-hop but I I, I love this because of like what I mentioned when he was in studio with us is that people always talk about the Minneapolis sound and it it shouldn't just be narrowed down to just that. Like it's, it's, it's bigger than just like, of course globally and nationally, people will always recognize the brilliance um, and excellence of Prince and, and Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis and all those and, and their impact on just music, right? But mm-hmm. like, aside from that, man, what else was going on, right? Yeah, th- I, there, there's, there's, there's so, hip hop culture everywhere.
2: You know, say there seems to be a lot of really good things here that haven't even been unearthed. Yeah, and, and I think you need to. Exp- I love when you know when he was talking about the Minneapolis sound, and then you know you're also talking about. You know what's going on, and say I, I thought it was great that he highlighted St. Paul as well. Because, absolutely, because Minneapolis gets a lot of the love.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's no question about it. And and I'm somebody that I'm going to learn a lot from the documentary because when I was younger, back in my younger, I wasn't very social with the folks in St. Paul like that. Like I would go over to St. Paul and be a part of like. um the rivalry that was Minneapolis North versus St. Paul Central and stuff like that, or if mm-hmm. I had like a, a function to go to, but it wasn't no like I had a billion homies over in St. Paul or vice versa, you know, like and, and they're coming over to Minneapolis. It was almost kind of like we weren't adversaries, but it was like the St. Paul cats kind of yeah. looked at you a certain way and you, you kind of looked at them you got a certain a way. Side eye.
2: Yeah, you got yeah, a yeah. Side eye. Okay.
0: yeah. <laughs> so that, that's how it was, yeah. but yeah. yeah. No, this is this is love, though.
2: Yeah, you want to you want to bump the scoreboard because I know we got to get to your Ball. We got. High oh school. no no
0: yeah, we can bump the scoreboard because we got to get to Rand Ball coming up next. So so we kind of we ran a little bit over with Ralph, no, but that was a great conversation. That's great stuff. Yeah yeah to have about uh, a great uh, documentary coming up this uh, this Saturday. All right, so we'll get to a scoreboard a little bit later. We're going to talk to Michael Rand from the Minneapolis Star Tribune. We'll talk to him next after weather here on the Lake Show. All right, welcome back to the Lake Show News Talk 830 WCCO. We haven't talked to our next guest. On the John Schuster Call Banker Hotline in a while, his name is Michael Rand from the Minneapolis Star Tribune. Rand Ball, welcome back to the Lake Show. How you been? Good. Happy to be here. How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm doing pretty good. You know, the weather is not freezing. It's 36 degrees out right now. Um, we're going to get yeah. a little bit of snow, it sounds like, but by the time that we get snow tonight, what was it, th- two to three inches, I'll be gone from work. So idea. Yeah, I got, yeah, I got yeah, no, go. I got no mm-hmm. issues, man. All right, so I, yeah. I got a bunch of different things. I'm just gonna kinda rapid fire sure. questions at let's you because that's yeah, that's just it. how we roll, right? And and, and, and you can yeah. you can take it. Um I, I wanna start with the Minnesota Wild because I mentioned okay. this to start the show. Yeah. I love Bill Guerin because Bill Guerin's a gangster. Bill Guerin is yeah. a guy that doesn't sit on his hands, he's always trying right. to improve the team and make some sort of transactions to make them better. What do you make of the fact that he's just in that mode again, trade deadline? Yeah. I'll make you a couple of trades in one day.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's great. I mean, I, you know, it's, he's, he's definitely, I like that he's honest and, you know, you kind of know where you stand with him. And I think that's the best thing about him. In addition to, you're right. The fact that he's in dealmaker mode, like he, you know, where he, you, where you stand, even his quote the other day about Matt Dumba, like, hey, I'd be, I'd be surprised if we trade him, he'll probably be here for the rest of the year. Like Matt Dumba knows where he stands right now, right? Like he's He's maybe not here for the long haul, but he's been playing well enough. So, you know, th- things like that I like about him a lot.
0: Yeah. No, I, I enjoy uh, Bill Guerin, and I like the way that he, is, he has that approach of we're taking no prisoners. I'm a general manager. Like, that's my job. I, I need to be the best general manager I can be every single day because I think there are a lot of general managers in sports that would have looked at the Suter situation and the Parisi contracts and the money and all that, and they would have mailed it in right. and says, you know, I'm handcuffed and and he's not operating from that angle no
3: and they're, they're kind of in a they were kind of in a weird spot right because they had like some short term cap space right they had like a little they had like room this year like you don't want a lot of like long term stuff but you know you, you 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 could take on some contracts you could pick up some stuff along the way so that was that was kind of interesting that they had you know they had some stuff they could do and um uh, you know so that you know it wasn't like they they got went out and like made massive moves and they don't want to give up a lot of draft capital, but they're kind of in a space where they did have a little bit of flexibility, at least with payroll in the short term. So yeah, yeah, it's interesting.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's transition from wild into a couple of questions that I have about, well, it's that time of year, man. It's March madness. And unfortunately, uh, both on the men's and women's side for the Gophers, Ooh. neither of those teams will be going to the, uh, NCAA tur- uh, tournament, Ooh but this week we do have the Big Ten Women's Basketball Tournament here at Target Center. I know that I will be in attendance. I'll be down there um, on Thursday to take in some basketball games. Not sure if you're going to make okay. it or not. But my question is this. When you look uh-huh. at the way that things have kind of shooken out for uh-huh. for um, for both programs, I uh-huh. think that next year is the most important year for Lindsey Whalen and, and Ben Johnson because, first off, you know I love them and I want to see them be successful mm-hmm. at the University of Minnesota, and I think that we all do. But if they don't take massive steps forward next season, I think that maybe this time next year the university could be looking to fill not just one but two jobs.
3: Yeah, I don't think you're wrong about that. I do feel like the heat got turned up a little bit with this Dennis Evans news and just the fact that they – I have one Big Ten win this year. And I think, you know, you probably look at it at the beginning and you're like, Ben Johnson's going to get a while to turn this thing around. And now you look at it and you're like, man, if things will look better next year, like what's what's the optimism at that point when, you know, some of the recruits he's brought in aren't, you know, aren't here or aren't doing what they want to do. And, you know, same thing with Lindsay Whalen, right? She brought in this really good recruiting class this year. I think you've seen a little bit of a sign of progress towards yes. the end of the season. They've been more competitive. They won their last two Big Ten games. But they still went 4-14 four in the Big Ten this year. And, you know, they got a chance at the Big Ten tournament right now. You know, if you run the table, some miracle, you get into the tournament. But they're really playing, you're right, for – got to have a pretty steady progression to next year. It can't be, like, minor incremental progress. You can't go from four Big Ten wins to six next year. you got to make a pretty – got to double your Big Ten wins at least next year and be at least threatening to get to the NCAA tournament and playing an entertaining style because, yeah, her tenure here has not been been a success. I mean – you know, and they, listen. Both of them had have had some things. They deal with Lindsay. You know, got the job, and then all of a sudden, there's the COVID, the COVID period, stuff like that. Ben comes in, loses basically everybody off the team right away. He's got to refill the roster. Yep, things like that. I get it. Now the you know the transfer portal, NIL. Neither of those things are working in their favor right now. So there's a lot of things stacked against them. But it's a it's performance. It's wins and losses. If you don't do it eventually, you're going to lose your job.
0: Yeah, <clears> We're talking to Michael Rand, digital sports senior writer at the Minneapolis Star Tribune. Also a host of the Daily Delivery Podcast, and he's joining us here on The Lake Show. Uh, I I do want to ask one more thing about just your overall general thoughts about the Dennis Evans situation and maybe maybe how people have responded to it because I'm reacting in a totally opposite way than anybody else here in the state or in the market. I'm not angry about it. I'm not upset about it. I'm actually happy that he's no longer – that that'll free up a scholarship. I just – I was not on the Dennis Evans bandwagon. Yeah, I, just, I wasn't. I I I think that he's an overrated recruit. Um, all people have to do is go down a rabbit hole of going down on YouTube and watching his highlights. I don't see it. I don't see five yeah. stars. I don't see four stars. I see a project. That's what I see.
3: Yeah, I mean that's fair. I mean I think you know the optics of it are probably worse than anything, right? Like if if you lose a guy that's labeled a five star and that was going to be Something that was hope, right? That was building hope. Whether, whether, whatever you think of Dennis Evans, he represented something to a lot of people that was like, hey, maybe things are going to get better next year. So losing that, I think symbolically, is a bad thing. Now you're right. Maybe as a fit, maybe as a player, he's not everything that people want him to be. And I guess we'll find that out once he does get to college, wherever he winds up. So I think that piece of it is is valid. But I do think that if you bring, you know, if you if you're going to celebrate that win as a Gopher Mm -hmm. fan. And then you gotta, you got to say, well, this is, this, even, if, you know, even if you're like-minded like you or you don't think he was going to yep. be a program savior, it's, a, it's an L because this was a guy that people were saying, hey, maybe next year, maybe next year, and now you don't got that.
0: But this is the reason why I say it's not an L. I think it's an yep. L in the mind of Gopher fans, but Gopher fans yeah. are delusional and they don't know what a good recruit is. I will say, and I will say this for the third time in the last 24 hours, Gopher fans Which? need to get off of rankings. They need to get off yeah. of what they're being told, who is good, who is good and who is not. And the reason yeah. why is because let's go back to the good old days. Just give me Willie Burton. Just give me v- yeah. Vashawn Leonard. Just give me, uh, 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 uh who else? Uh, just give me Bobby Jackson. Just give me Courtney yeah. James. I don't care mm-hmm. about a McDonald's All-American. You know what? You know right. what's, you know what's crazy? And I know this for a fact because I'm the, I'm a, you know, my squad is Rock Chalk Jayhawks, right? right? Kansas yeah, basketball yeah. has the yeah. best coach in the country, and Bill Self. They sprinkle in one McDonald's All-American a year, like one. Yeah. with yeah. all of these other players, mm-hmm. and yeah. they rock. They rock. Yeah. He, they take a guy like they take a guy like uh, a Graham, who was going to mm-hmm. Towson State. He was going to Towson mm-hmm. State. He comes mm-hmm. to Kansas, and now he's in the NBA. So, my point is, in bringing up all of that, is I think the Gopher fans have to start thinking in a different way about this, yeah. the rankings and recruiting system.
3: Maybe <clears throat> they got to recruit like Wisconsin and not like some big time program. They, they stop, you're right. Maybe they've got to stop chasing the numbers, got to stop chasing the stars, and get get in a bunch of guys that fit a system uh, because they just haven't done that yet. It doesn't feel like they. I don't even know what the system is right now. I I, I don't discern much of – just they they're a hard watch right now. I, I don't discern much of a game plan out there. I thought they were a much more fun team last year than this year, which is saying
0: something. I I, I love that you brought up Wisconsin because I, I said this months ago when everybody yeah. was talking about Dennis Evans this, Dennis Evans that. You know what I said? Yeah. I'd love for yeah. us to get Trevor's son, Noah Winter. That's what I'd like to see yeah. on campus. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're talking to and Michael he's going to Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah, and he's going to Wisconsin. Yeah. We're talking to Michael Rand for the Minneapolis Star Tribune here on the Lake Show News Talk 830 W C C O. All right, your latest offering, I want you to kind of walk me through it mm. because I wasn't able to read all of it, but you uh titled it The Pitch Clock, Obnoxious and Beautiful. Uh-huh. It just might save MLB.
3: Give me the pitch clock. I love it. I know it looks like it looks ridiculous, right? You put this giant clock like it's like five times the size of like a shot clock. It's like, you know, it kind of looks like a play clock in the NFL, but those don't really show up on your screen unless they're like showing it to you. Like you see this thing. It's very visible. And I don't care. I love that they're doing this. I've been I've been a pitch clock guy ever since I saw it in the minors several years ago when we me and my friends going to go into way more minor league games. Because the pace is better, they get, they 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 move the game along. <clears throat> I just think baseball had a huge, massive pace problem. Now this isn't going to solve the issue of every team's trying to hit home runs, and every team's trying to get walks, and every pitch is trying to strike that guy out. That's going to make a game longer. That's going to make the, for less, you know, balls in play things like that. The pitch clock's not going to solve that. What it's going to solve is you're going to save 10 or 15 minutes of dead time every game. The guys stepping out of the box, the guys putting their gloves back on, the guys stepping off. Oh, I don't want to throw right now. That is going to change and I, I cannot wait for that. Because baseball used to be played like that. It didn't they didn't used to, used to need a clock and then all these guys decided they were too important that they're gonna you know they're gonna take thirty or forty seconds between pitches. So bring on the pitch clock. I don't care how big it is, I love it.
0: Rambo, mark this down. I said it last night, I'm mm-hmm. gonna say it to you now. These yeah. changes will curb the time. It'll cut off some of the some of the time. It will not get new fans. It will not get a younger demographic. It won't do any of that. And I'm going to tell you why. Major League Baseball doesn't know how to market their product. Bottom line, yes. it doesn't it doesn't matter that they do all these million different things in the same season. They're not going to get the kids off of TikTok. They're not going to get kid, kids into the stadium and say, you know what? It's going to go from a three hour and 10 minute game to two and a half hours. I'm I'm willing to go watch the twins. That's not happening with the younger demographic. It's just not because Major no. League Baseball does not know how to market their product. Shohei Otani could walk down Nicola tomorrow and half the people on Nicola wouldn't know who the hell he is.
3: No, they have a problem with that. But what they are going to get back, I think, are fans like me. I'm 46. I'm a huge baseball fan. I could not get enough baseball growing up. I've watched it less and less and less in the last 10 years. I am intrigued by this. I will watch more this year. And if I feel like the product is better because the pitch clock is. Nah, the game,
0: nah. Rambo, Rambo, Rambo. The last. Rambo, the last 10. Young. I'm not young, though. The, I'm not young. the last 10 years. How many kids you yeah. got in the last 10 years?
3: I've got three kids
0: now, but I watch,
3: I, watch way, I watch way more NBA than I ever used to. I watch way more NFL, probably, than I used to. Like, I've shifted my sports priorities to things that I find more interesting because baseball has driven me away. I think baseball is trying to get me back, guys like me back.
0: <laughs> That's why I love Ram Ball. All right, uh, I guess the, uh, the the last thing that we can dive into, and it just makes mm-hmm. sense, is, man, you got any faith in the Timberwolves doing anything? Ooh,
3: no, I think, I mean, here's the thing. I I had to take the day that they're going to miss the play, and I don't think that's far off, although that was before we learned that LeBron is going to miss probably multiple weeks now with this foot problem. If he's out the rest of the year, which is certainly possible, we'll have three games left against the Lakers in their final 19, including one, I think, Friday in L.A. That makes that a lot more possible to win a couple of those, keep L.A. underneath them. If they keep L.A. underneath them, I think they might do enough to at least get into the play-in, but this just doesn't feel good right now. Is it? It's it felt like it's gotten better at different points in the year. It feels you know, I felt like at certain points they were figuring some stuff out. Um, this cat stuff is still a mystery. Like I don't, I don't really know what they're. It sounds like they're still they they're still trying to figure themselves out, and they're almost you know the season's almost over. Like they just never really developed an identity, and the season's almost over.
0: Yeah, I hear you, man. A hey, uh, Rambo, always a pleasure to have you on, my friend. I will uh, see you soon. All right, take care, like, All right, take care. That's Michael Rand from the Minneapolis Star Tribune joining us here on The Lake Show. All right, I didn't realize we were going to – you didn't tell me we were going to do a scoreboard here. I thought we were just going to push it to 820.
2: No, we can do it at 820. So I just put it on the sheet so we didn't forget oh, it. Oh,
0: okay. All
2: right. uh, we we put it wherever. I mean, we got, what, 42 <laughs> minutes? It. Let's do it. We can do it wherever we want.
0: All right, so we'll take a break, come back, wrap up this hour next. All right, let's dive right into headlines. We got to get to it. Ain't nothing to it but to do it. Headlines with Christopher Thompson starting right now.
2: All right, let's get to it, H. Lake. State and local officials are calling on lawmakers to support a proposal from the Walls administration that would increase funding for the state's crime labs. Now, the goal of additional funding is to cut the turnaround time for processing DNA evidence from 142 to 30 days. St. Paul Police Chief Axel Henry says timing is crucial when it comes to solving crimes and the difference of 112 days will seriously help law enforcement solve more than just the most heinous offenses.
0: I actually, I, I mean, is there somebody opposing this? Why would anybody oppose this? You shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. This, this, to me, is a no-brainer. It should be a slam dunk. Yeah.
2: Hey, for more than 50 years, a Florida law has announced the Walt Disney Company to govern itself on the grounds of the Disney World Theme Park and Resort in Orlando. Not anymore. Governor Ron DeSantis. On Monday, signed a law stripping of Disney of its self-governing status and special privileges. Quote, allowing a corporation to control its own government is bad policy, especially when the corporation makes decisions that impact an entire region. This legislation ends Disney's self-governing status, makes Disney live under the same laws as everybody else, and ensures that Disney pays its debt and fair share of taxes. Now, the legislation amends a uh, charter to end Disney's exemption from the Florida Building Code as well as its exemption from state regulatory reviews and approvals. It also ends the secrecy by ensuring transparency prevents leftist local governments from using the situation to raise local taxes and imposes federal law so that Disney is no longer given preferential treatment.
0: Ron DeSantis. I don't think that in the end this is going to all work out for him.
2: Mm hmm.
0: It's going to be interesting to see what happens between Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump, not to say that Donald Trump's going to be a legitimate candidate for the presidency. I'm not saying that because uh, I think he's going to have other issues he's got to address and deal with. But I find that interesting.
2: Well, and there's a poll that I thought I saw that Donald Trump now is leading Ron DeSantis by uh, I want to say about nine percentage points. So that seems to have flipped.
0: Clearly, you weren't watching Fox News.
2: No. And uh, speaking of Fox News, that uh, Rupert Murdoch said under oath. He made a, desist, uh, a business decision when allowing a conspiracy theorist to promote election lies on Fox News. He said, quote, it's not red or blue. It's green. And, uh, hey, that's, that's the bottom dollar. Bottom dollar, dollar, dollar when it comes to Fox News. All right.
0: So where we just left off. Mm-hmm. I want to pick up right there. Okay. I I want to talk about that here at the top of the next hour because what we're finding out about Fox news, I think should make every single viewer rethink everything about Fox news. We get to that next year on the late show.